Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This video is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA season is in full swing and you can get into the action at DraftKings. Check out DraftKings parlays and same game parlays where you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings app now. You can use promo code BULLYBALL when you sign up. All one word, B-U-L-L-Y, ball. You can do it. I know you can do it. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. That's DeMarcus Cousins. And uh, Boogie, you're still under 35, so I assume that means you went out for New Year's, unlike us over 35 people who are like, you know what, better to drink with friends at home. (laughs) Yeah, but it's definitely coming to an end for me. Um, You know, just being out and partying doesn't quite hit the same, so... uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm entering I'm the saying, later stages of my life, so. <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol tastes the same at home. It's cheaper, and you can you, they don't. There's no closing time, so I'm I'm That's I'm just valid. throwing that out there. <laughs> you can have as many That's people over valid, as you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got to talk a little Knicks and Raptors since they had that great deal over the last few days. Uh, the new players they swapped with each other played on Monday, and we got a good showing from OG and Anobi. Obviously, the main talent in that deal. Now he did foul out of the game, but his numbers were good: seventeen points, six rebounds, and the Knicks beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, number one team in the West. So that was no slouch either. Um, Obviously, everyone in the East is chasing the top three, right? They're chasing Boston. They're chasing Milwaukee. They're chasing Philly. So did the Knicks trade with how good they looked? And it's been one game, but still, do you feel like this is the kind of deal that could vault New York into that top group and be competition for the top teams in the East or that they're still like maybe a player away? Um, I think they're a player away. Um, okay. I don't see this deal really putting them over the top or – you know, kind of reaching that goal into being a top three team in the East. Um, I think this is a move with another move coming behind it type situation. And um, I like I like the addition of OG. Um, you know, he fits, he fits the team. He fits what, you know, Coach Tibbs is looking for in this player, a two-way player. He kind of reminds me of – I could see him being in a, like, Luol Dang type role where – you know he he's uh, a part of the, a big part of the offense and obviously heavily dependent on on the defensive end. Um, it just makes sense, but uh, as far as just putting the, the Knicks over the hump, I don't think this move does it. Um, but it does kind of make sense where, or you can see where they're gonna make another move to kind of complete out this roster. Uh, what that move is, obviously we don't know yet, um, but I think they're in the right direction with improving this team. So. Uh, OG, like I said, he fits the mold perfectly. He's gonna, you know, be a defensive anchor on this team. He can he can make shots for this team outside. He can finish on the inside. So, um, you know, it was a good addition. But they definitely have to make one more move to, you know, put this team over the top. My opinion. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, those top three teams in the East are so good, right? And they're very star heavy. And you just still don't have that in New York. There's, of course, always the Donovan Mitchell rumors, but it doesn't sound like Cleveland is ready to, you know, talk deal for him yet. So I don't know if they'll sort of hold off for the rest of the season and see how they do. I don't know if they're going to try to make another deal at the deadline, but I think they do have to make something. I, I do agree though on OG and Anobi. He is just the perfect Tibbs player, right? I mean, he, he does all the things that, that Tibbs wants a player to do. Um, I think then the fans of the garden are going to like him because he's got grit. He defends, Absolutely. you know, that sort of stuff. So I like, I like the deal. I actually like the deal for both sides. Um, I think I, I think it was sort of a win-win trade, which is good. Um, I personally wouldn't have, you know, look, Masai Ujiri is is obviously a master at all of this, and he pulled off one of the gutsiest trades ever to get Kawhi Leonard and win the title, right? So, like, I, I am not one to sit here with none of that level of expertise and criticize his decision-making, but I was surprised that they didn't do these kinds of deals last year, right? I mean, it just didn't feel like they were in any kind of – you know, spot where they could be like, yeah, man, it's going to all come together after the deadline. Right. We're a contender. And you could have gotten more for OG Ananobi, who's on an expiring contract. You could get more for Pascal Siakam, who is, you know, probably the next up on the trading block. He is also on an expiring contract. So if you traded them last year, um, you'd think kind of like Kyle Lowry not dealing him and then watching him walk away. Fred Van Vliet not dealing him, watching him walk away. Um, but I assume there's a method to the madness. They got good young players back, which I know is really important. Uh, last year at the deadline, it was sort of all the buzz was draft picks for OG and Anobi draft picks. And I don't know if they want draft picks. I think they want someone to be next to Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel quickly is going to do a good job of that. So I, I don't know. We'll have to see how it works out for them. They're obviously going to be doing a bit of rebuilding, but um, it does raise a big question about Pascal Siakam, uh, you know, where he's going to end up, uh, which team needs him the most? I think the rumored candidates, if we take a look, um, you've got uh, Pacers, Hawks, Mavericks. People have thrown Sacramento in there. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Where do you think the best fit for him would be? Um, obviously, the Mavericks. I think he'll fit in great with that team with uh, Luke and mm -hmm. Kyrie, you know, kind of running the show, him being that third complement piece. Uh, obviously, that fits well on paper. Um, I could see him – you know, sliding into like a, a, a OKC type team and kind of completing out their roster, put him next to Chet. Uh, I've spoke on that before, but I think the sleeper team is Sacramento. Um, they're kind of struggling at that fourth spot, you know, getting consistent production. So sliding him in with that young team that likes to run and gun, um, I think he fits in perfectly with that team. I think, I think they get a lot better. Uh, it fills a void that they're missing right now. It gives the young kid, Keegan Murray, more time to develop and become the player that they want him to, to become for the future. So uh, I think it's a, a good plan. And there's not as much pressure on the young fella. So uh, put right. him next to De'Aaron Fox. You got Malik Monk coming off the bench. I think that's a really good team. So um, I think Sacramento's that sleeper team that could, you know, come in and, and add a piece like that. Yeah, and they're only kind of mildly being talked about in the sweepstakes. And I, I think you're right. I think they could make a move. So we'll see. I mean, the risk with – both of these guys is they're both on expiring deals. I mean, OG Ananobi, his agent is Leon Rose's son, by the way, a little backroom 
backroom uh, <laughs> conversations there. So okay. <laughs> I don't know if at the Christmas dinner table, there was some right. chatter <laughs> about whether he would sign a long-term deal with the Knicks or not. Um, maybe mm-hmm. they made that deal already knowing the answer to that question. Uh, I will say that the Sixers want exactly the kind of player that OG Ananobi is, and the Sixers will have a lot of money this summer. So I, I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, if if Sam Rose is a good son to Leon Rose, we'll have to find out what OG wants. I don't know. But Pascal Siakam has none of that uh, going on. And he really seems like he's going to explore the market as a free agent this summer. So that's, to me, the only sort of hiccup with which team he ends up going to. You know, I think some teams might decide, hey, we have confidence we can resign him. You know, it's worth the risk. And some teams are going to feel like I'm not giving up that much. And Toronto's going to just take the best deal. So it'll be interesting, I think, there. Um, you know, we'll have to see, right? In fact, I, I think this is a great conversation to have because we're into January now. This is crazy. The season has gone by so fast, but we are actually five weeks away from the trade deadline. It's bonkers, right? <laughs> Wow. It's coming up so soon. Um, And we wanted to take a look at some of the teams, what they need, stuff like that. So we're going to do the West this week. We'll do the East next week. Think I put on your West thinking cap buggy. Um, I want to start with the Warriors because I think they are the team most in need of a shakeup here. Steve Kerr said yesterday that the team lacks, quote, grit which I thought was interesting. He talked about them just on the floor, needing to play for each other more, more teamwork, that kind of thing, um, which I think is a pretty interesting thing for him to say out loud to the media. Um, and obviously there's been, you know, it just hasn't been right on the court this year. Steph Curry wants to play three or four more years. He wants to win another title. I think you got to do, you know, he's a generational player. I, I don't think, I think you trade the farm if you need to for him to give him another good team personally. Um, But the question is, you got to trade something out. And I don't know, but you you played on that team. You were inside the mechanics of that team. Can they trade one of the core players? There's the threesome. You're not trading Steph, obviously, but would you trade Draymond? Would you trade Clay? Will the Warriors still be the Warriors if they do? Clay's on an expiring deal. What would your move be? Um, My answer to that is no. you can't trade Clay. Okay. You can't trade Draymond. Uh, this core group is what made the Warriors the Warriors. Um, and what I mean by that, not only bringing in the four championships, but Joe Lacob didn't increase the value of his team because he just bought the team. Those right. three guys are a huge part of the reason that this team is valued the way it is. And I think it would be a complete slap in the face if you dealt any one of those guys. Um, I think it's just, it, it has, at the end of the day with this Warriors team, it has to be, they have to leave out with, with respect. And um, I think those three guys are due that respect to where they could play for one organization and ride off in the sunset when they, they feel they're ready to do so. Um, like I said, none of this exists without these three guys. And if you sit there and overlook it and act like it, it, it didn't happen or they're not the reason for this, that's just complete bullshit. So, uh, no, I don't think anybody should be traded. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb saying this, but it yeah. just makes sense to me. And I look at the, the complete picture and not just parts of it. Uh, obviously, yeah. Draymond is in the you know headlines for you know the, the antics as of lately, but um, mm-hmm. I still feel like that 
it's been overblown as well because I spoke on it last week or the last show and yeah. this is something that was enabled by the NBA. They allowed this to happen. They, yeah. they allowed this behavior. And maybe it was because the Warriors were dominating the league. They were this championship team or contender every single year for the past decade. So maybe that's the case and it's okay then. But my whole thing is when it comes to Draymond, it was enabled before and now that he's and when it was enabled before, it was labeled, you know, passionate, the heart of the team. Right. Uh, this word of looking for grit was never mentioned before. And now that they're in these losing situations, you know, he's the villain. He's the reason that, yeah. you know, they're not finding success. And I think that's bullshit. And on top of that, like I said, I'm going out on a limb saying this. We go back to, you know, the previous summer we watched Team USA. They struggle. And there's no reason for that. And it's only one common denominator in that equation, and that's Steve Kerr. Maybe it's time wow. for maybe it's time for new leadership in this Warriors locker. Oh. Maybe it's time. And the reason I say that, even the Apple, even the Apple iPhone gets an update. You know what I mean? So it's time for the Warriors to update this team and um, a new identity, a new system, something to to get this core group over the hump. And uh, I was a part of this organization. I know, I know the mood. I know how they carry themselves. It's super laid back. It's super, you know, lackadaisical. It's, it's, it's very nonchalant. And obviously, they get their work done. They're professionals and all of these things. But these were the standards that were set in place for this team. And it starts with the leadership, which is Steve Kerr. Now, we're looking for some urgency now with this team to get them back in their rhythm. And like I said, maybe it's just time for a new leadership. You know what I mean? And... Um, I think that's an option for them. Obviously, I feel like it could still work if they put the right pieces around this core group and we, and they can still make this system that Steve Kerr put in place flourish. But as of right now, that's just not the case. So I think looking for new leadership should be an option that's on the table for this Warriors team. Look, it, it's totally fair thing to bring up, 100%. I, I would quibble a little bit with the Olympic thing, with the Team USA thing. I don't think Team USA did so well in the end because they just didn't have the players. I mean, the team is going to look totally different in Paris this summer. We didn't have our best players there. So I I, I'd, I'd hold off on that. But but I, I, I that, look, you don't think so? Why? You think they um, should have done is, with the B team? They should have beaten the, the rest of the world? Are, Absolutely. It's no excuse for it. Like we've, we've seen this time and time again, we haven't always gone to these tournaments with the best players in the league and we've still been successful. So why all of a sudden now is it the player's fault? This is the top league in the world. We, we can all agree on that. These are some of the most talented young players coming up in the top league in the world. What's the excuse mm -hmm. for not bringing it home? It, there is no excuse. Well, you have very These good teams guys. on the other side now. We made the rest of the world good at basketball. It's our own problem. It's our own fault. We brought the dream team over there, and, you know, it spawned a whole two generations of players at this point, and the other teams are good. I don't know. When Austin Reeves is one of your top players, is that that's the best the team to go into international competition? And that's the problem. Austin Reeves shouldn't have been – he shouldn't have been the focal point of the Team USA team. It should have been Anthony Edwards. Right. That's the point. Right. Right. And it's one common denominator that made that an okay thing, and that's Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr put Austin Reeves in the position to leave to lead Team USA. Mm -hmm. That's foolishness. Yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Some decisions just aren't right right now, and that's one of them. Like, I, I just well, look, I, I disagree with that. I disagree. Okay, with all right. It. I was no just going to say, like, with the, Warriors, with the Warriors, with the Warriors. This is a team that was doing well under Mark Jackson, right? 
uh, you had Steph and Clay really start to come into their own. He's the one who decided to put them in the positions they were in, play them together, really, you know, give them the confidence and power to do what he they found were, their did. confidence. Yes. And, and yet they did make a change, right? So mm-hmm. there is precedent within that organization to, even when it's not a disaster, even when there's a coach that, that is well-liked. I mean, Steph did not want Mark Jackson to be let go. He's said that many times, including to me in an interview this fall, like he, he, had very skeptical about bringing Steve Kerr in. He liked the way Mark Jackson ran the team. Um, and it turned out to work out really well, obviously, um, mm-hmm. you know, historically well. So what you're saying is not off the table, I don't think at all. The idea that this organization is not afraid to make that kind of level of change, even when it's not a disaster, right? That they might say, great, it might just be time for a new voice. I think that the biggest thing they have to do is have a conversation with Clay Thompson because his deal is up this summer. And he is, you know, there's been noise from, you know, around him, from his agent, whatever, that he doesn't want to take that much of a, of a pay cut of what he could get on the open market. And the Warriors cannot pay him what his full value would be on the open market with all the other financial commitments they have on that roster. So I just think you have to know, you know, everyone knows what the numbers are. So you have to know from Clay, are you walking out the door anyway in three months? And if if he says yes, you know, then you got to consider dealing him. Um, you know, just talking about this with Toronto with some of their players. If you know he indicates, if the agent indicates, and you know, they, you're not supposed to be able to negotiate with your own players right now. Um, sorry, NBA rules people, but I, you know, <laughs> I I, right. I, I, I I'm not a fan of tampering rules anyway. I think they're kind of stupid um, because players are smart and they know what's out there already. So it's not like mm-hmm. some team is going to be like, Hey, did you know that we have a, we have a needed center and we have this much money on the books? Obviously they know that already, but that's, mm-hmm. that's beside the point tampering within your own team. I mean, come on. I, I just, I, I have no problem with the Warriors having a conversation with Clay and saying, what are your plans? <laughs> um, you know, very quietly if they have to. Um, but I, I just think that, I, I think that's the big question mark, right? Because if he's going to leave anyway, I think you got to deal him. And then you're not really disrespecting him because he was going to walk out the door anyway. Um, if he wants to stay for, you know, a little less money or in some, it might end up being a chunk of less money than he could get out in the world. Um, then, then maybe you do keep them together, but it is a question. I mean, do you, do you do the respect? Do you do the, Hey, we got to keep this core and possibly st- cost Steph Curry another title. Or do you say, great, we got to change. And, you know, Steph is the guy who's going to be here for 20 years, but you know, Look at Kobe's teams. There were there were some big changes to that roster. Um, the, the biggest with Shaq, you know, between different championships. Right. So maybe they have to do something. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a huge question. I don't think Steph plays as well without Draymond. We've seen that since he's been off the court. Um, and I'm not sure how much value Draymond has on the trade market right now anyway. Um, but Clay to me is the question mark. And, and you know, look, the questions you raise about Steve are valid. I'll have to see what they want to do there. I don't see them doing anything midseason, though. So that's no, not kind of another. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion. It's an interesting problem going on there it with is. a marquee it team. Is. So I don't know. Um, Chris Paul, obviously, Andrew Wiggins, question marks there, too. We'll see. We got to talk a little Suns because this is not what we all expected. They're 18 and 15. Now they have won their last four. So maybe they're getting into a little bit of a groove here, but Bradley Beal still only played nine games. Um, Do they have to make a move? Should they just stand pat and see where their team is? Um, You know, they can't, they don't have a ton of flexibility financially, but they could pull off something. What are are your thoughts there? Um, 
I think it's unexcusable. Um, I think they have a great coach in Frank Vogel. They obviously have two mm-hmm. great players in their core pieces with, you know, uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So, uh, yeah, this record is just, it's, it's really no excuse for it. Obviously, Bill hasn't, hasn't been present with the team most of the season. But uh, obviously, with Book and Durant, it's, it's really no reason to be struggling this much. It still should be where they're having a successful season. But uh, I think it just goes back to ro- roster construction. I don't think this roster was put together the correct way. Um, and it's, and it's kind of mind-blowing to me that, you know, we're now in this era of basketball where it's a guard-driven league, and you decide mm-hmm. to tell yourself, we don't need a point guard to win games. It just it, it baffles me. And I know we're also in this era of where analytics leads sports to where, you know, uh, it's not about when it comes to constructing a team, it's not about, you know, every piece complementing the next. It's about, well, these numbers work well with these numbers. So this is a good team. That's that's bullshit. That's not how sports work. That's that's not how teams work. Uh, it was just a poor construction. And you got money locked up in three guys to where you can't really put the complement pieces around those yeah. three guys. So uh, in this case, I believe where Phoenix should really look into it. If they want to move forward with Bradley Bill or use him as an asset to bring in the correct pieces to make this team flourish. So um, I believe they should explore the trade market with Bradley Bill and bring in some pieces to put around I mean, Book and Durant. Starting it's interesting, his value that he's been hurt so much. I don't know where his value is. I mean, to me, I'm surprised that you bring up the point guard thing. I actually think Book is doing a fine job there. I think the problem is the big man situation, which I thought was expected to hear from you. I mean, they need to bulk that up. They need someone who is better defensively than what they have now. Um, I've heard Isaiah Stewart's name mentioned out of Detroit. You know, the Pistons obviously not having a good season, to put it mildly, looking to possibly shake things up. I actually think they should take a really hard look at Andre Drummond, um, you know, a name that that maybe we didn't expect to resurface at this point, and the Bulls have obviously not had a great season either, but he is on pace to break Dennis Rodman's rebounding percentage record, which is insane to me because that record was considered untouchable when Dennis said it, and he is on <laughs> – right now he is sitting at 30% of available rebounds, wow. which, I mean – Think about that. I mean, think about all the balls that you <laughs> you went for. <laughs> right? That's tough. I mean, thirty percent of all available rebounds to him is is bonkers to me. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's huge. And to me, that's exactly what Phoenix needs. You know, if you had that position defensively locked up, if you had the basket locked up there, they don't need another shooter. They they don't need to me, they don't need another guard. They need someone who's in that spot to basically get the rebound and get one of those guys the ball up the court in the place they need it. If you had someone feeding Kevin Durant and D Book every time, you know, 50% more of the time than they have now, I, I just I think that would be a huge thing for that team. Um, you know, there's some guys, the question is the contracts, obviously. Um, Uh I don't know if they could make Drummond work financially, but I I just, man, that number jumps out to me. Man, shout out to Drummond. Um, I'm just glad he's able to find success in this era of where they're trying to push bigs out. So uh, shout out to Drum for finding a way. But uh, I don't think Drum's the answer to this team either, honestly. I go back to them really looking into trading Bradley Bill, and I think the perfect trade would 
would be them looking into Atlanta, trying to, you know, pry DeJounte Murray and possibly Clint Capella. And I think those I two like guys like complement this team perfectly. And uh, you get yeah. you get the defensive like big at the rim, and you get a, a defensive guard that can also set up the offense and run the offense the proper way. I think it just creates a balance throughout that whole roster that they haven't had this, this season. So uh, I don't think it's just – I just don't – I don't think it's just about the big or having a defensive big because it still goes back to the balance of the team, and I just don't think it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, they they basically gave away the farm for Kevin Durant, which I wasn't against. I mean, it's Kevin Durant, and I think putting him next to Devin Booker is is just crazy. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy opportunity. But I I do think that they – I expected them to do more this summer. They didn't. Um, You know, DeJounte Murray is very interesting, especially if he came with Capella. He certainly has not thrived in Atlanta the way we expected. So, you know, change of scenery and playing with those two guys could be huge for him. Um, I like that that possibility. We'll have to see what they do. Uh, The Lakers, certainly, if we move on to them, need to do something, Book. I feel like for the last six weeks, that's all anyone's talked about is which particular (laughs) player on the Bulls will the Lakers trade for? We talked a little bit last week about, you know, is it better for them to go for Alex Caruso? Is it better for them to go to DeMar DeRozan? Is it better to go to Zach Levine? I know you said you like the DeRozan route and Caruso if they can get both of them. Offensively, having Zach Levine there, it's it's very appealing. It's very appealing to have him next to those guys. Um, I, I don't know. They play a game against the Bulls, I think, here in Los Angeles uh, toward the end of January. I, I think that's going to be crazy, right, to, to know that one of those guys could be switching uniforms just a week later. Uh, but I, I, do you think that one of those Bulls players is still the answer, two of them maybe, or, or do you want to look elsewhere for the Lakers? Uh, just the combination of Caruso and DeRozan, I just – I feel like it complements that Lakers roster perfectly. You get Caruso to guard, you know, every high-powered guard that comes in on a nightly basis. You have the Rosen as that third scoring option where you know you're going to get consistency scoring on a nightly basis. And on top of that, when it comes to the Rosen scoring, something that's not really looked at is his playmaking ability. That's something yeah. that he's really developed in the later stages of his career. Uh, and it started with him in San Antonio on the pop. That's something that they really focused on with him, you know, being more of a playmaker. So you add that combination to this Lakers team, I think it's, I think it, it helps this Lakers team a lot. Um, Levine, I, I mean, obviously it looks good on paper, but, you know, I'm more about how pieces complement the next. And, you know, outside of Levine being a scorer, I just don't think it covers every other, you know, deficiency or, or, blemish that the Lakers have as a team right now. And uh, obviously he can help with the scoring aspect, but what about the defensive end? What about making the guys around him better? And, you know, let's be honest. Every player doesn't, isn't, you know, what we're accustomed to seeing when they get next to LeBron. Is he going to be the same type score that he is, you know, for the Bulls or for the Timberwolves that he, that he, that we've been accustomed to seeing? Will he be that same score next to LeBron? And I just don't think that's the case. So uh, that's why I lean more so with the Caruso and DeRozan package because I think it complements AD and LeBron perfectly. Yeah, and look, you'd have to give away a lot more to get both of those guys, but to me, it's LeBron James. You're only going to have LeBron James for a limited amount of time left. Yes. Every year, you know, he puts more mileage. Uh, it's incredible what he's doing at, at age 39, mm-hmm. but it's just not going to we, – we know it is not going to last forever. So, And each year right. that decreases. So I would trade anything you have to to get him a shot at a title every year you have him. I think the 
Cavaliers did a crappy job with that in the last season that he was in Cleveland. I talked a lot about that at the time. Uh, they didn't want to give away the future, right? They were so worried about the pick they had from the Nets and all of that stuff. And I'm like, you have LeBron James. Uh, you got to maximize LeBron James. I don't care if you're bad for two or three years after he leaves. I don't care if he's telegraphed already, he's going to leave. If you could get one more title the last year he was there, which by the way, if they had made a trade, I think they could have. They were in the finals, right? So, I mean, one more trade would have done it for them. I think the Lakers are in the same position where they have to give away whatever they need to to make this work and make the make make this team and LeBron a true contender again. It was amazing they got to the Western Conference Finals last year, but they obviously couldn't compete with the Nuggets. They got swept. So I, I want to see them make a deal that will actually put this team into top title contention because we're seeing the end of one of the greatest careers in all of sports Mm -hmm. ever. And I think you give him whatever he needs. I mean, DeJounte Murray could work on that team too, right, Boogie? Uh, I mean, you don't like it as much. He covers things defensively for them. But once again, you make a move like that, you still need the offense to back it up. And I don't think offensively and I'm not speaking on him as an individual. I'm speaking on him offensively as a teammate next to LeBron. Yeah. I just don't think yeah. it complements what they're what I don't think it gives them what they need. Obviously, defensively, it's perfect for them. But that's why I go back to the Caruso trade. I think Caruso fits that mode defensively. DeRozan fits that mode offensively, where you're kind of getting two players to do two two different things that you need for a team compared to getting a guy like DeJounte, who only really covers one aspect of what you need so that's that's my mindset when it comes to you know filling out that roster look Caruso and DeRozan don't have to be a package you could get Caruso and Murray if you wanted to go that way but I I do think they need they need both um and and that is why I would also shy away from Levine but and Levine's got such a big contract number too I think that that kind of has an effect but we'll see I think they definitely will make a move so I think it's gonna be an interesting team to watch again I want to see what the Lakers are going to do I promised a little Dallas talk And, and look I was so impressed with the Mavericks early in the season Felt like all the pieces were working. You know, they were sitting at number three in the West for a while, but now they've dropped down to seventh. Kyrie just came back, so I think they will get a little bit of a boost there. But you could see some tweaking they need to do. And you mentioned Pascal Siakam earlier. I I think he would be a perfect fit there. And the only question is, how much are they willing to give up to get a guy who might not stay after the summer? Uh, I think it's a move you have to make. You have to find that third piece for this team. Obviously, you have your two guys in Kyrie and, and Luke. You know, what are you going to bring in to complement those guys? Um, I think Tobias Harris is a good option. I think he comp- complements them well. Yeah. And I think Siakam does as yep. well. Um, my choice with this Mavericks team will lean more so to Siakam because just the different dynamic that he kind of brings to a team, you know, uh, you know, the, the ability to cut slash, you know, finish at the rim, defend multiple positions. He can knock down outside shots. So I just feel like it complements them well. Tobias more so being a guy that, can, that that's bringing more so offense. Um, does it help? Yes. Does it give him over the hump? I don't believe so. So, um, if I'm the Mavericks, I'm leaning, yeah. I, I'm doing everything in my power to get Siakam on this roster. Um, and I think they got a chance to, you know, be a top five team in the West and actually have a chance at contend. I mean, look, again, they took that risk with Kyrie. He was on an expiring deal. They were able to re-sign him over the summer and permanent part of the team. And everything they traded away for him now makes more sense because they have him on a longer term deal. 
Siakam, I don't know. I mean, the market for Kyrie this past summer was not explosive. It's not like Kyrie was getting offers left and right. So Dallas was by far the best offer he got. And the fact that they were able to keep him on that offer was not shocking. Siakam, I think, is going to get offers this summer. So I, it's just it's a bigger risk. Um, I know that they miss Dorian Finney-Smith and would love to get him back paired with Luca. That's more of a, a smaller trade that they could make. But I do know he's on their radar. So it'll be interesting. I would love to see Siakam with Luca and Kyrie. I think that would be great. But I'm not the one with the wallet for the Mavericks. And I guess Mark Cuban isn't going to be either. So maybe he'll, you know, it's, it's, he's got such a cushy deal now. He still runs basketball operations, but he doesn't have to pay for anything anymore. So we thought he was a little wild with the trades before. Maybe, uh, maybe we're going to get, we're going to get it all. I don't know. I'm excited to see them this trade deadline. We don't know. Um, I'm excited to see the thunder because I, they have the most assets of anyone in the league. That team is ahead of schedule. They are so impressive. Watch it. If you please do yourself a favor out there, if you have not sat down and watched the Oklahoma City Thunder this season, make an appointment to do that with one of their upcoming games because they're just such a fun team on the floor. And I think there's no reason to wait. You get, get them another good player. See if they can contend in the West this year. So I, I'm interested to see what they can do. They also would be wise to trade some of those picks and assets now before they have to extend their younger players on, on those rookie extensions just because of the way the salary cap works and when you can add different contracts and when you can't if you're already overextended versus if you're not. So I, I expect them to do something. Um, the question is, what do they need and and what might they do? Do you have any thoughts? I mean, this, this is like a rare situation where you, you look in on this and it's like they have so many different options they could take to improve in this team. Like, and it, 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 I mean, it's hard to just, you know, kind of focus in on one scenario. Um, they literally have the draft picks to go get whatever player they want in the NBA. Like, they could literally go to a team and offer them 12 picks. Like, I'm on LeBron James. Here's 12 picks. Or whatever the case may be. So, this is a, a interesting situation. Um, I would go out and get Laurie like, Markkinen. That's, that's, my, that's my pick. Is, I would get Larry Markkinen. I think he fit in there. I think Utah is going to, you know, didn't expect to start the mm -hmm. season as a seller, but I think they will. Very, you know, that front office knows what they're doing, obviously. Um, they love draft I don't picks, know. too. <laughs> right they love, exactly love exactly no i mean it's so. it's a great they're great fit as trade partners and mm -hmm. I, I just think that you know marketing i know they don't want to get rid of him in utah i i know the idea was to build the franchise kind of around him you know along with maybe someone else bringing them in but i don't know man i think you will you you're catching the thunder at a good time i think they have so many assets they might be a little more generous um in a trade than they will be two or three years down the road and I just think he would fit in perfectly. I think he's only 26 years old, so he fits in with the younger aspect of that team. You wouldn't have to, you know, he, he fits in with the timeline. And I think basketball-wise, he's a good fit. I don't know. Do you like, do you like him there? Absolutely. I do like him there. I think, I think he's a great option. And I think another under-the-radar player that's having a really good season is Kyle Kuzma. Um, Kyle Kuzma's having a career year. Uh, He's a champion. He fits the mold of, you know, being that complimentary piece to a championship team. Obviously, he plays both sides of the floor. He can knock down shots. He can defend multiple positions. And he just has the right mindset when it comes to, you know, uh, a goal of winning the championship, being a team player. And 
obviously every night the goal is to win games. So he, that mindset is always in the right place. So uh, I think that's a guy that could come in and help this Thunder team, you know, reach a new height. So uh, I think those two young guys, and obviously, you know, he's in that same, you know, age frame with the rest of that group. And, you know, mm-hmm. him and Shay can be, you know, the fashion icons that they want to be together. So I think there's a lot of things that kind of, <laughs> there's a lot of things that goes into play for that Thunder team where it can, you know, it can work out in the, in the best did, way. So. <laughs> do you think he would get Shay one, one of those pink sweaters with the like giant sleeves? Is it just sort of welcome gift to each other? And maybe, you know, just the twinsies? I don't know. That could be good. Uh, I do. I, I, I don't do know think- who would win, but we would definitely see some outfits in that locker room for sure. Amen. Amen. I look. I, Washington is obviously in in super uber rebuilding mode. They're they're obviously mm-hmm. going for that high draft pick. Um, you know, they're not afraid to trade away contracts right now. And uh, you know, I certainly could see Kuzma Delt if they're pronounced if they're presented with the right offer, and and it could be the Thunder that have the right offer. I mean, they need you know, good pieces to put around Bilal and Denny Avida and, and, and draft picks, you know, is, is on that timeline. So I, I could, I could certainly see a deal like that going on. And, um, you know, I did an interview with Kuz recently. He just bought a new house in Washington, DC, but you know, you, you go to a winning team, you can sell the house. It's, it's, it's all good. That's usually how it goes. You uh, buy the house, you get traded. Yep. <laughs> yep. Amen. Uh, all right. Well, it's going to be very interesting seeing how all these teams fare. As I said, we're going to do the East next week. Um, but, but to me, the Warriors are going to be fascinating. The Lakers are going to be fascinating. And then you have that next tier of team that we know those guys are going to make a deal. And then you have that next mm-hmm. tier of teams that probably should make a deal like the, like the Suns, like the Mavericks, like the Thunder. So I, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. I think it's going to be a hot and happen trade deadline. And uh, we'll yes. tackle the East next week. So that's it for that this week. I do want to get to our DraftKings segment. I'll take that bet. And Boogie, I have to know if you're going to take a bet on Rookie of the Year. Here's the situation. Um, take a look at the odds here. Uh, now, before the season started, Wemby was the standalone favorite, like by far. But if you see here now, he's at plus 180 and Chet is the clear favorite at minus 280. I mean, that's a huge, huge swing. So which bet are you taking? Are you betting on Chet? Are you betting on Wemby? Wemby has better stats generally. I mean, not in every category, but in general across the board, he's got better stats. Chet obviously Mm -hmm. on a winning team, which Victor is not. Um, Which bet are you taking? I mean, well, if you just want to be correct and, and win the bet, I would lean with, mm-hmm. you know, Chet. That's just a safe bet. You know, get a little bit okay. in return. But, uh, you know, you want to go out on yeah. the wing and, you know, make a little extra. Obviously, you go with Wimby. <laughs> but as far as the production part, um, I think both of these guys are producing at a high level, especially in their rookie year. But it's just – it's a difference in situations. You got one guy producing in the winning situation. You got one guy producing in the rebuilding situation. So, uh, obviously, in this league, uh, winning is value. If, if you're able to produce and win at the same time, you you get put on a higher pedestal. And mm-hmm. as of right now, that's Chet, you know, and yeah. deservingly so. He's a second option to a young team with a chance of competing this year. So, uh, all of that has to be, you know, put into consideration. Both young, great young talents. I think they'll both have incredible careers. Um, when it comes to building the team around either one, I don't think you can go wrong. Um, so, uh, but as far as, you know, making some money, yeah, obviously we'll have to go with Wimby, but you want to save that? <laughs> Just check. So. 
It's up to you. I mean, look, look, I, I don't think Wemby, I actually am kind of surprised to see that number. The odds makers of DraftKings 100% know what they're doing. And remember, anytime we talk about betting odds, they are deciding who is going to bet on what and what are the best odds to have, you know, good, good money on either side, as opposed to who is actually going to win. So you have to remember that. But I think that... Right. Wemby is, I don't think he's as much of a dark horse here as he's being made out to be at this point in the season. Um, you know, and I'm, he's averaging basically 20-20 a game. He leads the entire league, the entire league in blocks. Um, and you have to think about the voters. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of voters in the media who have been covering Wemby, Wemby, Wemby all season. So I, I just, I, 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 Think it could, I still think it could go either way, um, which means that the bet you'd want to take is the Wemby bet because, as you say, <laughs> you make some money there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I do, obviously, winning is huge. How much does it matter to you that Chet had an entire season uh, to basically get used to being an NBA player even though he wasn't playing and he was injured versus Wemby who was doing all of this as not only new to the league, new to the country, everything? Like, Which is more impressive to you? Does it affect your decision? Um, it's... Obviously, you know, it's an NBA rule. If you get hurt rookie season, you don't play as your rookie all over again. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of sucks when you're in that position and you're a guy competing against this guy, and it's like, well, damn, like, he kind of got a head start. And um, it's similar to my situation coming into the league. Uh, you know, Blake Griffin got hurt his rookie year. So when he came back around, he was a rookie my year coming in, which gave, you know, myself, John Wall, a chance at, you know, battling for the rookie of the year. And he just blew us out the water. And yeah. in our heads, like, well, damn, this dude had a whole year of experience, regardless if he played or not. You're in the yeah. practices, you're, you're understanding the set, all of these things that kind of play in his favor. No, coaching, and, you know, being an young, NBA player, having that long a exactly. season. And you got two other young rookies that's basically learning on the fly in the midst of the fire. And, you know, it's kind of unfair, but, you know, that's the that's the rule that's in place for the league. So it sucks, but, you know, at the same time, he went out there and played. He played better than me and John Wall, and that's just the facts behind it. And this is the case here, but obviously it's two guys that are kind of neck and neck in that situation. So um, at the end of the day, I think it just goes down to, you know, who's winning games, which is Chet and this OKC team, and you just have to respect that. Yeah. I mean, you guys and Blake was a big standout example. Obviously, a few years later, we had Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, where Ben Simmons mm -hmm. had been sitting for a year and Donovan had just come in. You know, when I made my decision that year, I had the kind of the attitude you're talking about, which was, look, a rookie's rookie. It's not someone's fault that they're out for that first season. I, I'm not sure I want to penalize them for that, for getting hurt. So I basically said I'm taking that off the table as part of my decision making. I think... Some some voters will do the same this year, but we'll have to see. It's just an, another interesting wrinkle. So take a look on DraftKings because that is a good that is just some good interesting odds going on. I think uh, I think people could have a little fun with that. All right, we're back for set a reminder. We got to look at this week's games, see what you want to set a reminder for. Book. I'm going to read you a couple good ones. Clippers at Suns. That's on Wednesday. Heat at Lakers. Also on Wednesday. Friday we've got the Grizzlies at the Lakers. Knicks at Sixers, and then on Saturday, Celtics at Pacers. Which game are you putting on your calendar that you want to see? Mm, I think I'm going to lean with Friday's game, the Knicks and Sixers. Uh, oh. This will be a good test, you know, good test of the Battle of the East. Uh, we'll get to see how the Knicks, you know, square up against a team that's, you know, one of the top guys in the league, top teams in the league. 
Uh, we get to see how effective that trade was for Ojo and Anobi. So uh, I think that's a good test for New York. Um, you know, they beat the number one seed in the West the other night. So, you know, we'll see. I think I think that's a good test for New York and to see, you know, just how good this trade was for this organization. The fans in Philadelphia can just hold up giant dollar bills and, and say, come here this summer, Pat, OG, like that kind of thing. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. I'm very interested in John Morant versus LeBron James. That will also be on Friday. So that's just a good slate all the way around. Um, I think Ja will want to have a little flash and something to prove when he's back on the big stage here in Los Angeles. So we'll see. Good games mm-hmm. this week, for sure. All right. Uh, Doom Scroll. We got to talk about what's hot on the socials this week. Our producers were trying to figure out players who have had the best, as we call it, the world tour, right? Who has played in the best list of cities over their career? And there are a lot of interesting contenders here. I'm going to read you a couple, but dude, you could really go deep on this. Trevor Ariza <laughs> was one of the picks. He has played in New York, LA, and Miami, which which may be the sort of most desirable triumvirate there. Um, he has also played in Phoenix, Right, good golfing, good good town for NBA players. Houston, I personally would not consider Houston higher on the list just because it takes a really long time to get to the airport, and that is one of my main concerns <laughs> if you're flying out for 41 games plus a year. But that may just be me. I'm just saying. Um, right. <laughs> uh, Portland, which is a really great city, so uh, you know, a good good stretch for Tre- Trevor Ariza, uh, Jamal Crawford. Do not sleep on our teammate Jamal Crawford. Chicago, New York, Atlanta, L.A., Portland, Phoenix. Not not a negative city in the bunch there. So that is really impressive. Not at all. Uh, Nate Robinson, New York, Boston, uh, San Francisco, or Oakland, but you know uh, at the time, uh, Chicago, Denver, Los Angeles. Also a very impressive list there. And the last one I'm going to throw at you is Tyson Chandler, New York, Chicago. New Orleans, which is big for me, love New Orleans, uh, Dallas, Phoenix, and Los Angeles. And, and there's a million more out there, but these are all really good. And you know, you played in a few places where you play has a huge, where, where you live your life has a huge impact on you throughout your career. So who do you like there? Do you like any other you know guys I didn't mention? What do you think? That is tough. Uh, I think I'm going to have to lean towards Trevor. I think Trevor Reason. He's got the three. The, no one else has those three. Yeah, that New York, LA, Miami is, and then throwing Phoenix and Houston. That's so tough. Um, he definitely has some favor in his career. He played in some pretty favorable places. <laughs> and, I mean, I wouldn't be mad showing up to work in these cities. So I, I'm gonna have Mm-mm. to lean with Trevor on this, and that's damn. I'm I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I, I think it's neck and neck. I like the Jamal Crawford list. I just feel Jamal's like, you know. Jamal's really good, too. It's, it's really, really strong. Right? <sighs> Chicago. I, uh, I, I think Jamal and Trevor definitely rode off in the sunset when their career was done. So <laughs> it's, it's nothing to be mad about with playing in any of these cities. So. And let's remember what Atlanta was like when Jamal Crawford played there, which is a whole different part of the equation. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think it's good. I, I, I would like people uh, who, who are watching this on YouTube uh, to tell us in the comments, if you're watching this on DraftKings, please find us, find the podcast on any of your podcast networks and give us some comments. Let us know 
who your best world tour is because I'm fascinated to hear what everyone thinks out there. Um, also, before we let you go, there is a clip going around Instagram that shows Jamal Crawford, which is discussing, and Isaiah Thomas. They were uh, at the Winter Classic game in Seattle at the Mariner Stadium, and they were mic'd up. And Jamal points over to Isaiah. He's like, hey, Wayne Gretzky is here. I got to go on the desk with Gretzky. I'm at Gretzky. I'm like, this is crazy, bro. He works for TNT, bro. He's the Michael Jordan of hockey, bro. I got to see him. I don't even got to meet him. I just got to see him. Just to see him, yeah. Like, I was like, man. It's like Jordan. I love it when athletes are psyched about other athletes. Um, he was like, that's the guy. Oh, my God. So I wanted to know for you, Boogie, was there a point that you're this star basketball player, but you see someone who's an athlete from another sport and you just become a total fan? Oh, man. Uh, one sticks out clearly to me. Um, I was a huge boxing fan growing up, and um, my favorite fighter of all time was Roy Jones Jr. Um, nice. And he's from Pensacola. I'm from Mobile, so we're about 30 minutes apart. And I usually fly out of Pensacola's airport. So ran into him one day, and I became the biggest fanboy you've probably ever seen before. And, you know, I'm not really a guy that goes around, you know, if I meet people, I don't necessarily ask for pictures. I just – yeah. I kind of know what it's like for me, so I don't want to, you know, put that yeah. on the next person. So uh, I kind of sway away from that. But in this moment, it was like, fuck it. I have to get this picture. So uh, <laughs> uh, he was super cool, and it was even more dope because he knew who I was. So, I mean, I That's put him on this, very pedestal, cool. this pedestal. Yeah, like, man, it was really dope. So uh, I could I could totally relate to IT in that moment. That you, you get a chance to meet one of your, you know, so-called heroes growing up, it's, it's, it's a pretty dope feeling. I love that. I love that story. And of course he knew who you were. You're Boogie Cousins. Come on. Please. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And by the way, <laughs> being not. a boxing Maybe fan. <laughs> I know. But, well, by the way, being a boxing fan, you now live in Las Vegas, which is really the choicest decision you could have made there. So uh, yes. congratulations on that working out as well. <laughs> thank you. All right. We got to wrap. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you. You can catch Bully Ball on the All the Smoke YouTube channel. You can catch us on the DraftKings Network now, which we're really excited about. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get them. And don't forget, if you're on a podcast here, rate us, review us, give us those five stars. Helps us out in the algorithm. So hook us up for that. We will hook you up with a new episode next week. We can't wait. See you later. Bye, book. All right, Rachel. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.